What's up, everybody? Austin Eller here, and welcome to episode 132 of the Frame Skip Podcast. I'm joined on this fine uh, weekend, or, or week rather, weekday evening by uh, two good buddies of mine, starting with George from Shortbox Summary. What's up, George? Wearing that Patriots hat, as you always do. Yeah, 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 yeah. We uh, waived our backup and third-string quarterback and then signed them to our practice squad, which... Um, is a puzzling decision. It's a lot of faith in Mac Jones, which uh, there was no real immediate decision that he was the starter, even a week and a half ago. So I don't know what's going on, and the season hasn't even started yet. But happy, happy football's back. I think maybe, probably. There you go. There you go. It's yeah. good, good, to, good for football to be back. I don't really watch football anymore, but I know plenty of people are excited for its return. So it's my my favorite game of the year is fantasy football, and I'm only in a work <laughs> league my high school league and a random friends league. So I'm only in three leagues this year. I, I'm, I'm cut back. I used to be in six. Dude, how, I'm only in three. It feels good. How amazing would it be if we got to our game of the year episode and you came out and you said, well, guys, my game of the year is fantasy football. I thought about doing that last year. I love year. that. I'd love that. But I should have done it. I should have done it two years ago when I won two championships because what a year. Yeah. Speaking of winning, Seth's like house is also with us. Um, I do nothing but win, Austin. Actually, that's right. That's right. I I I win at spending money. I win at working obscene hours. I win at not sleeping. Um, absolute champ over here. Nothing but winning, dude. You were telling me before the show that you've defeated the Reaper that is sleep itself because you've been awake for an extended period of time. 27 hours yeah yeah so you won um, there yeah just the nature of working 14 hour night shifts it's just the way it go you know yeah um, i don't know no you should try it sometime it's miserable no, that's all right. <laughs> if you ever want to appreciate if you want to appreciate your life george I, I have a job set up for you you can work for like my, a week or two and then go back home my record was in college my senior year like my finals week i was awake for 108 straight hours Ooh. Dude, no, my, my, that's disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. My job I can't believe I survived. After 72 hours, you're clinically insane. But after... Urban legend. Is that urban legend? I mean, I don't know. I know crackheads stay up like a long time. They'll, they'll take meth. Anyway, my job's not too bad, right? I get a lot of days off, but it's, it's the night shift and the, and the, and the long hours. Mm-hmm. And like tomorrow, especially, I go to fire brigade training as, as the fire brigade leader. And I just... It's gonna be miserable. You have to sit in a classroom for four hours, taking in but, all that knowledge. <laughs> but but um, I'm doing great. Good. Telling you what, I'm good. doing great. You know, this is a good episode, Seth, because you're doing great. George is doing great. I'm doing great, and we're here to talk about what some people may consider a great movie. Some. Um, if, if if nothing else, can we at least admit that it is the most controversial piece of Star Wars film? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So it might be the most controversial piece of nerd culture of all time. I, I, I I'm not. I I'm not too hesitant agree. to say that. I can't think of much else that really re- reached this uh, 
level of, of controversy. And by the way, if for some reason you clicked on this episode without looking at the title, we are on this episode going to be revisiting uh, Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi. If you missed last week, we rebroadcast an episode the guys did. I was not on it from a couple years ago where they uh, did a review discussion on The Force Awakens and it never continued so we're we're finally bringing it back here i can't believe it was a couple years ago it was in june of 2021 and we never followed up that's amazing i know we talked about it a lot it came up in conversation this specific episode has come up in conversation so many times throughout the years and here we are so i'm excited though this is going to be a fun one because like we've already joked at i mean this legitimately is one of the most controversial pieces of nerd entertainment i would say i mean i would totally agree with you there seth i i can't think of anything else that like was so controversial and in, in my lifetime this is like so i like notorious i hate the star wars fan base um a lot of times like like um the criticism and hatred that gets thrown at some of these shows and movies, I think is, is absolutely ridiculous. Um, but this is the one movie that, that I was like completely on board with. And when I look back at like the last 10 years, I think this is like the movie release that came out that like truly fragmented yes. and, and shattered like the, the fandom to the point where, Disney probably should have stopped releasing Star Wars stuff after episode nine because of the catastrophe of the sequel trilogy. Um, But I think this is because episode seven, I think we all walked away from episode seven um, in that last discussion. I was listening to it a little bit today. We're just like, it's fine. It's a fine movie. It's very safe. Right. Um, Yeah. And I I, I actually I like episode seven. I think the movies get worse as they go down in in the sequel trilogy. But I like episode seven a lot. Um, and I, like, I like the things that it set up yeah. going into this movie. Um, I was constantly looking at theories and like I was really excited for the, for the future of what they were going to do with the sequel trilogy after episode seven. And boy, was I disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know who wasn't disappointed, Seth? The, the uh, general public, because the thing had a budget of 300 million dollars and it made 1.334 billion dollars in the box office which is still like one of the top 10 uh, grossing films of all time which is pretty pretty incredible what's interesting about this movie to me is the fact that if you go on rotten tomatoes now it still has like a 90 percent from critics but then you look at the audience score and it's just abysmal which normally it's the the other way around when we're talking about controversial movies where the the critic score is frankly poor and the audience score is super high i think a good example of that is like the sonic the hedgehog movies where they reviewed pretty poorly but everybody loves them so yeah i mean that that's probably a discussion to have an interesting discussion to have another time as to like what yeah. what happened between critics and audiences because it seems like that those things never align right it seems like what the critics are looking for and what audiences are looking for never seem to line up anymore. Where I don't remember it being like that back when I was younger. That yeah. seems to be a very new thing. I agree. I think I think it happened when Ebert died. Right? He died in like the mid two thousands, late late two thousands. Roger Ebert. Cisco and Ebert, the most famous movie critics of all time. 
Okay, <laughs> never mind. Fuck me then. Uh, <laughs> all right. I'll be honest. For the record, I'm, for the record I'm not the idiot for knowing who he is. I just want no, to be honest. No, it's me. And, <laughs> you it's me and Seth. Me and Seth did not fucking know. Fucking children. <laughs> I think. Okay, basically, he was like the most public facing and like least condescending film critic that we had. Like he had like he had a TV show like back in the eighties and nineties where he would just talk about movies, him and his partner. Um and like they would just like talk about movies in like a really simple way and explain complicated ideas. And like I really do think that the centralization of movie criticism was really important to like helping movies grow because like movies didn't used to make a billion dollars and all of a sudden they did start making a billion dollars. And I think it's interesting that like the criticism trust in so much of life, like I'm not just talking about movies at this point started eroding once like more people had access to similar platforms. Right. So like basically you would like read Rolling Stone. He'd be like, Oh, what did Peter Travers think of about this movie? And then all of a sudden it didn't matter because you were seeing Peter Travers opinion with 10,000 other opinions. And all of a sudden it was just like, yeah, he thinks this, but like 800 other people think this. Like, what? Who am I more likely to believe, Pete Travers or these 800 other people? And like, honestly, you should probably believe Peter Travers. You should probably believe, yeah, Ro- Ebert and Roper and shit. That kind of does make sense. I mean, the further we've gotten down, the more like citizen journalism way, I guess, for lack of a better word. Not that this is journalism, but it's the same idea of more and more people having access to critically review stuff like this. Who knows who to trust at this point, frankly. But, yeah. um, I want to start off here. We're not going to... I know our last episode was like very long. We're not going to be able to, to put that as much time into this one. So we'll talk kind of in broad strokes. But I want to start off with our overall just immediate thoughts on the movie as a whole and what it is. And so, George, I want to give you the... Uh, starting spot here so what do you think of the last jedi at the time i really didn't like it when i left the theaters i was a little confused about what i had just seen and over the years i've pulled like a complete 180 on this movie and i actually think this is probably the best one and that that's subjective it's it's what i think is the best one of the the sequel trilogy just because it like dared to do things the most different well, also, I think it like looks the best of any of the the sequel movies. I think the art direction is absolutely incredible. Like even something as simple as like the faded red background of like Snoke's throne room. I'm like, fuck, that just yeah. looks cool. Like, like that just looks awesome. Oh, the Praetorian guards, they just look cool. Totally agree with that statement. Uh, all that stuff, Canto Blight. Like, I still don't really understand Canto Blight as like a a set piece, but like it looks awesome. You know, like it looks really cool. The same way, like I used to hate in Return of the Jedi when they went to. Jabba's Palace. Because I'm like, what the fuck are we doing here? And now that's like one of my favorite moments in any Star Wars movie. I'm like, wow, I can't believe we only spent like 40 minutes there. That sucks. I love that scene. I absolutely love the Jabba's Palace arc in in Return of the Jedi. And you see all those bounty hunters together and like all the scumbags, scumbags and villainy, like these big wigs. Pretty sweet. But I hated it as a kid. The same way I like hated uh, the Canto Bite scene of... uh, of this movie. Like I said, I've I've pulled a complete 180 on this movie. I think this movie is the bravest of the three. I honestly think so much of this movie you dislike 
not even because of this movie anymore, but because we have the context of Rise of Skywalker, where so much shit presented in this movie as a possibility was just walked back. Where it felt like Ryan Jan- Johnson was saying yes and, and then what's his nuts showed up. J.J. Abrams just showed up and was like, nah, no, nah, we're not doing that. And just like swatted Ryan Johnson's hand away, like at every single storytelling possibility. So this is this is my my new favorite of the the new three. Seth, what about you? Um, yeah. So I walked. I was the opposite. I uh, I walked out of the theater, and I, I went to the theater with um my buddies Watson, Robert, and Pedro. And they were like laughing at how stupid they thought the movie was. Uh, we're all Star Wars fans. And I walked out of the theater like saying like, this is one of my favorite Star Wars movies originally, right? It was only when I sat and like really stewed about it and thought about things um, that, that I started to hate the movie more and more. Um, it's funny you brought up your point about J.J. Abrams slapping Ryan Johnson's hand because I feel like Ryan Johnson did that to J.J. Abrams and all the plot points that were set up. In fact, I don't know how this movie made it through the way it did. Um, I, I can't believe someone from a, like like higher up didn't stop and be like, what are we doing? Because... It seems, I mean, you've got three films to write a story, right? And I think The Force Awakens set up and introduced the characters in a, in a really nice way and set, and set up the conflict, right? But then we spend the whole second movie doing absolutely, I mean, they're not doing nothing, but the, the, the plot moves forward in, in no real way whatsoever. And all the things that were set up from the force awakens um, turned out to be nothing. Right. And like, this is where the, the famous quote, like subverting your expectations came from. And it's like a giant meme now. And um, there's just, there's so much about this movie. Like, like I really, like I, I was organizing my thoughts writing them down before the show. Um, and I really struggled to find things that I like about the movie. Um, I'm a massive star Wars fan. I was not one of the people that became super pessimistic and just hated everything. Like there's star Wars fans that went like legitimate, like crazy after this movie came out and they, they just like go on the message boards and, and they cannot stop talking about how much they hate star Wars now. Right. I just kind of moved past the sequel trilogy at this point. Um, but I, I will say we'll, we'll go into some of the, my more details later, but I, I agree with you, George, that it's probably the prettiest star Wars movie. Um, as far, as far as like the, the setups go and, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much all I like about the movie. Like it, it is a pretty movie. Like, like the, 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 uh, spaceship ramming scenes, gorgeous. Um, and even like the, the 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 big lightsaber fight is like the 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 way the colors are set up is really is 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 really beautiful. But I mean, I'll get back to that later. I, I think the choreography is like terrible in that in that scene. It is. So it's pretty poor. That's all I got to say. That for opening thoughts, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> 
So my thoughts on this movie are interesting. I don't know. I guess I'm somewhere in between. I honestly, I think I'm a little hotter on it than George's because I saw it like you, Seth loved it in the theater. I mean, I saw it probably opening night or whatever it was back when this came out in uh, December of 2017. And then I saw it a second time in the theater because I loved it so much. And I probably watched it again on Blu-ray when it first came out. But aside from that, I had not watched it in, you know, five years. I guess it's been at this point, six years almost until two nights ago when I watched it again for this episode. And while I don't love it as much as I did initially seeing it on an opening night, seeing it that second time in the theater, because honestly, at that time, I probably would have said, hey, this is one of my top Star Wars movies. I still think it's very good. Um, I, I have a lot of issues with it on a whole. I think there are a lot of plot elements that still don't make sense to me. But on a on a broad scale, I would still rank it. I mean, I wouldn't put it above the original trilogy or Rogue One for that matter. But I'd probably put it somewhere near Revenge of the Sith um, for for number five, number six on my, my ranking. So, um, there, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm curious about something just with, with that ranking. Are there any like seasons of the TV shows that you would like put about, like, is like Mandalorian season one? Is that like better than this movie? It's a good question. You know what I mean? Like, like how, cause like we don't have to just choose between movies anymore with star Wars. So I right. guess I'm wondering That's a good point. in terms of like our, our live action, opinions like i still think this is like upper third yeah you know, I'd, upper, I'd agree with that upper fifth like I, I think it's like still like i think it's got a pretty high hit rate i think the interesting thing for me is like i think a lot of the parts of this movie are greater than the sum and then with force awakens in particular i think the sum is greater than the parts if that makes sense yeah yeah i don't know where i would rank honestly like mandalorian and Boba Fett, I guess. And I, I haven't seen Andor, so I can't really say anything there. Uh, Andor's fucking amazing. Yeah. I need to watch it. But, I mean, I'd probably put Mandalorian Season 1. I mean, frankly, my ranking would be in no particular order. Original Trilogy, Rogue One beneath that. And then either Revenge of the Sith or this movie. I'd probably put Mandalorian Season 1 at a minimum right below that. But above the the prequels and seven and nine i don't know yeah i think i think the um the live action tv shows are like pretty phenomenal star wars media actually uh the only one i didn't like was boba fett and uh, honestly uh, i'll say this i'm not super hot on ahsoka right now um and ahsoka's probably my favorite star wars character so that might play into it, but um, I, yeah, I think I think the live action Star Wars shows are are really phenomenal. Um, maybe it, in some parts as good as Star Wars gets. Um, so, and I think Do the Mandalorian, guys, especially season one, feels exactly like the original trilogy. Do you guys want to turn this into a Star Wars podcast for a little bit? Like we got this, <laughs> and then we'll do uh, Force of. Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. And then by the time we do solo, 
then I think oh, the dude. sixth episode of Ahsoka will be out, and we can just talk about Ahsoka. I'm fine with that. I'm gonna be honest. I'm not gonna watch Ahsoka for a while because I am still like not even close to being caught up on Clone Wars and Rebels. But you guys can talk you, about it. You have to watch Rebels for yeah. Ahsoka. It, it's necessary. It's, it's yeah. does not hold your hand at all. Um, no. By the way, quick comment from Alden in the chat. Which, by the way, if you don't know this, you can watch us live on YouTube as we record. So go find us there. That link should be in the podcast description if you're watching this after the fact. But he says, George, what are you talking about? Andor is trash. He says it's slow and about a completely forgettable character. George, what is your response to that as the only person here who has watched Andor? Andor is like three different three-part movies made by Tony Gilroy, who's like one of the best working TV executives of like all time. Like I, I think Alden, respectfully, I think he should revisit it. Um, I think that show's incredible. Like, I think that's like the height of like this is cinema in Star Wars. I've got to watch it at some point. I think we watched the first episode, but we never continued it after that. So at some point, I'll watch I'll, it. I'll say, who doesn't love Diego Luna? I thought that guy was amazing. All right, so we've also, hit our. our good, oh, go good, good to hear from you, Alden. Missed you. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> We've hit our general thoughts, so let's kind of get more specific here. I, I want to go through, like I said, broad strokes here. Not every single plot detail, but just kind of an overall rundown of what happens in this movie. And we can kind of pick out things here and there as we're, we're talking about this. So um, the movie starts off pretty much right after Episode 7. And I'm not positive how long after Episode 7 this starts, to be honest with you. I don't know if it's like literally right after seven ends or if there's some time this, in between i think this is a big problem with this movie actually yeah is how immediately it picks up after episode seven right because like we don't even get a sense of time with empire strikes back we yeah. know it's like some time but like it turns out like oh canonically it's like five years but whatever like there's just like all of a sudden a new status quo at the beginning the fact that this movie like starts minutes after the end of episode seven i think is a huge fucking problem for it I think they should have taken a beat, started somewhere else. Yeah, I don't disagree with that because I think the the advantage that, like like you said, the original trilogy has, and even, frankly, the prequel trilogy, is that you get some off-screen character development, and when it comes back, they've kind of aged with you as the viewer, the, the characters of, of the movie, and it, it gives a different feeling i suppose for lack of a better word it gives you a different place to start it so it's not so familiar uh, right immediately and I, I i would agree with you there george but it starts off literally right after seven ends essentially and um you know the the rebels are all fleeing or the uh, resistance i guess as they're they're calling them in, in this trilogy they're all fleeing the first order and basically the big opening sequence is uh poe taking on like single-handedly this new first order dreadnought ship which can i just say the design of that ship is freaking fantastic really really cool it looks like looks like two doritos stacked on top of each other right yeah yeah that being said it's very jarring immediately when you get like marvel-esque humor from poe to hux when hux is on the bridge and it just does not fit for me does not fit it's one of my biggest problems with this movie. Yeah, is the forced um, MCU humor 
that we get in very, very dramatic moments. Yeah, I mean, this was a super serious moment. And I'd say my other moment like this, Seth, later on is when Luke tosses the saber. It just it doesn't fit tonally yeah. with like the series at all. Neither of those moments. And I know they're supposed to be like, oh, that was funny. But it just doesn't work for me. And, and it immediately starts with Poe, like literally 60 seconds into this movie. <laughs> so well, that it, it doesn't just take the sting out of the moment for Poe, but also it's like. Man, the New Order, the First Order, whatever, they're, they're a bunch of fucking morons. Like, the way they yeah. had Hux just, like, completely campily, like, sincere about the confusion in the moment. I'm like, you guys are losing a war to these fucking idiots? Like, are you serious? Like, this guy couldn't wipe his ass if he had to right now. Like, th this is who you're losing to? You should be fucking embarrassed, frankly, Resistance. Yeah. So yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> um the the thing this movie does get right though and we talked about it a little bit earlier in my opinion is the visually uh there are a lot of great visual moments and certainly the the flight sequence here where poe is like basically tracking down the dreadnought and taking out all the um the like uh cannons or whatever they're called i i thought that was a pretty cool opening sequence overall aside from the forced humor <laughs> Yeah, I actually in in my notes I have um on the good side that I think I think this opening battle feels great. Like I think this opening battle is about as good as Star Wars um fight scenes in space get cuz like I don't like a new hope. Like episode 4 is probably my least favorite Star Wars movie. I know it's a very controversial take, wow. but the last the last 45 minutes of a new hope are the most boring star battle. I've ever seen. And it's like the, the same exact explosion going off a hundred times. And I'm, I just, it puts me to sleep every time. I do not like a new hope. And when you compare that to like this, this space battle is like very, very intense. Um, there's very high stakes. Um, you see what's her name? Sister become like a hero immediately. Um, yeah. Rose with the bomb. Rose's sister. Yeah. At the beginning. Yeah. Some cool um, stuff there. Although I got still, I, still I, not crazy about the gravity-fed outer space bombs. That's what but. I was about to say. That <laughs> bothered the living crap out of me watching this. So I was like, okay, this is a cool sequence, but they're dropping "quote unquote" bombs in space. That doesn't work. That doesn't well, work. I, they're, they're 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 like an upper atmosphere of this planet, right? But like, this is the only place this would work. You you have to be close enough to a planet. To get gravity right but they they built these whole ships for this singular purpose and they're not fast ships so they, they wouldn't work close to close to land they, so I, I i just i don't know but that's my only complaint with this actual starship battle i do think it's really funny that like they kind of double down on x-wings right like i don't know what the new ship is called but it's it's a fucking x-wing like let's just call it what it is right yeah. it's like oh no but we split the engine so it's like half of it's on the top wing and half of it's on the bottom. it's cool yeah it's an x-wing um why did they think this was an upgrade from a y-wing and like i don't care about what? this argument like I, I i really don't but like i do think in this space where we're being respectful of the people who made star wars like, we're just talking about in context of the universe, right? Like, I'm not shitting on Ryan Johnson. I think all the hate spewed towards uh, Kelly Marie Trans character. I think that's, like, one of the most oh. disgusting things I've ever seen social media used for. Like, totally it's agree. awful. 
if you, if you're like if you're so upset by Star Wars that you need to like threaten or insult real people, it's like you're a fucking loser, dude. I don't know what else to tell you. Like, stop make stop letting Star Wars be such a big part of your personality. I've never understood people that attack actors for something that's not their fault whatsoever. Like, no, it's like the pr- it get mad at makes pr- sense. producers, get mad at writers, but even then, don't get mad at them. Especially, <laughs> especially Kelly Marie Tran, because what I can't tell you a single thing she did in this movie that was like egregious, literally in any way. I mean, she was fine. There were I that was actually a note I wrote down was like rewatching this. I, I truly didn't understand any of that that drama back in the day. Well, I mean, I, I think her character I think her character is really stupid, but yeah, I, I think she's a bad actress. Yeah. Well, um, but also, also like, it, sorry, go for it. Well, I was just how 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 far along are we? Can, Considering this scene, because Finn's opening moment, I'm I I'm, I I wanted to bring up the movie yeah. as we talk about it, and I have it um, shot by shot here on Disney Plus. Um, Finn's opening scene takes place like during the battle, like right after. I would say it's in the same general yeah section of the movie. They immediately make Finn. Okay. not important and like more of a comedy character and he should not have taken that role in, in this in this series especially not after like, the first movie no no and and finn finn you could argue was the more of the heroic figure in in the first movie um and they reduced him in the second movie and then even more and so in the third movie and I'm not really sure why they went about it that way, because he's probably got the most interesting character arc um, and like, or like the most interesting backstory, at the very least, of, of all the main characters in the in the, in the series. So I, I just want to say I'm not a big fan of how Finn is characterized right off the bat as just like a comic relief. I think especially because like he, he put a lot of thought into his character too, I thought, right? Because like yeah. so many of the Empire and First Order, like they're British. And like John Boyega is British, right? So like why like he the fact that he made like a conscious decision to use like a more Western accent, like I think that's like, oh, that that is interesting. It's like you were like giving us a hint with your voice that like you were not an Imperial. I'm like, oh, you actually like put thought in consideration to this and then just to have his character become so much less important as it goes on when you're right like i do think like having like a defection from the empire like when he like escapes that ship with poe in the first movie i'm like this yeah. is fucking sick like this is awesome, this is awesome. <laughs> great sequence also i never made the connection that the empire is all british yep. i think all like for some reason crix nadine doesn't have a british accent but also he defects to the fucking rebels in, in yeah. return of the jedi so what can you do um also, like, again, like, this is kind of my big problem with, like, a lot of things, and, like, kind of happens with Ahsoka, too. But again, like, I'm trying not to get hung up on smaller things. But, like, the fact that, like, this is at most a day after the attack on Ilum, right? Like, at Starkiller Base. But realistically, it's, like, within a couple hours of the attack on Starkiller Base, right? Because, like, it's long enough for Ray to get everyone back. I guess Chewie to get everyone back. And then Ray and Chewie to go seek out Luke Skywalker. Right. Yeah. And he got fucked up yeah. by Kylo Ren's lightsaber. And he, like he's like his first scene is him like getting out of like the hell set. And like I understand, like this is like a key character for this movie, so you want him in, right? Like he's in theory a lead. But it also is kind of like, oh, so I guess like there's just less stakes. Well, like 
he immediately wakes up and bangs his head off the thing and like like rolls out and like the, the water pipes break off and water shooting everywhere. It's supposed to be like a very comedic scene. And I'm like, so yeah. we were immediately taking the piss out of Finn immediately. And, yeah. and I'm like, this was a guy that like his last scene, he took on a Sith, right? Untrained. And like, and he, got a few he hits stood in. up. Yeah, and like he stood up for himself, and like he had like 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 that's him. The Force Awakens Finn is awesome, and then we go to the Last Jedi, and we immediately take the piss out of him. And I'm like, all right, well that's great, and and it's just I I don't like it, I don't like it at all. So this I'll touches admit. on my and frankly my biggest problem with this entire sequel trilogy, and in particular this movie, is the fact that it seems like the characters change each time we hit a new movie. They're totally different characters. I mean, we were talking a little bit before we started recording about Poe and Poe like is literally a different person in this movie than he was in the force awakens. And likewise, Luke, which we'll talk about his entire character does not make sense in this movie. And so I, and it, it continues in nine. I mean, everybody changes again in nine. There are more issues in nine. So I, I don't know what the problem was there, why they couldn't just at least, if they were unsure about the plot, why could they not at least nail down the characters and who they are as as people? I don't know. But and continuing along here, I think this is kind of where you were talking about, Seth, where, where Finn kind of comes in. But, you know, they destroy this dreadnought they jump away into hyperspace and then they find out that essentially the first order has a device that can track them through hyperspace. And they find this out because Kylo Ren shows up. He's about to blow up the, uh, the uh, cockpit of this lead resistant ship, but he discovers, I guess through the force. I don't know that Leia is standing in the bridge and kind of, kind of holds off on his trigger, but two of his, his, uh, his, uh, Imperial yeah. buddies, I guess, come through and that's the, that's the official term. Yeah, yeah, his the, buddies, the IBs, and the IBs, the Imperial buddies. Yeah. They come Cows. through and destroy the bridge, and this is where you get that famous sequence of Leia getting dragged out into space, freezing, and then reanimating with the Force and pulling herself inside the ship. How do we no, feel about this sequence? This part, you, this part used to really bother me. I have eased up on it quite a bit, especially because every scene from here forward, or like every Force-sensitive character, we've seen them do something that no other Force-sensitive person has done before. So it really does seem like they're rewriting the rules on the fly. And like, sure, that like kind of bothers me, because like I think there should be limits on characters' power. But like I... I know that if you're in the vacuum of space, you have like six seconds before your entire body body like the water freezes and like you just like puff out and like <laughs> and like in in inflammate your, yourself. Like I get that. Um, this doesn't bother me anymore. I still think it just like looks shitty. It's probably the shittiest looking part of the movie because she's looks really bad. old. She's really old. I don't think they put her on wires to like make her do it and then composite it. I I think this is like. 99% CGI and maybe a stunt double. So I don't think it looks very good. That's my, that's my issue with it. Yeah. I, I was, I was going to say that as well. Like, I don't, I don't have a problem with Leia using the force and pulling herself back to the ship. 
I mean, that makes sense in, in, in the context of how we've seen, you know, people use the force before. And she's the daughter of Anakin Skywalker, the twin sister of Luke Skywalker. Like she's very clearly force sensitive. Um, it looks so bad though. And it's so cheesy. Yeah. It's, I mean, it is bad how bad it looks. Um, but that's really my only thought process yeah. with it. Also, here's my thing. I don't know how far along this movie was in production when Carrie Fisher died. I knew it came out after she died, right? It was, a, it was done. After. Like they were already, they had already filmed shit for, they had already filmed most of her scenes for Rise of Skywalker at this point because they shot them back to back. I really think this film should have been delayed and they should have taken out the fake out death scene that she had. I think it was like super borderline disrespectful and um, you're watching this movie on opening night and you're like, oh, this is how they're going to write out Carrie Fisher. Like this must have been like a, a, a thing. And then like she survives and you're like, OK, um, this is weird now. So I don't know. I, I didn't like it. I think I think they probably should have just, just axed that whole scene because it didn't it didn't seem tasteful to me. That didn't really bother me, to be honest, on that standpoint, from what I can remember, at least. I mean, because obviously we've got to transport ourselves back to 2017 for that. But um, yeah, I would agree that I, I don't really the force thing itself does not bother me. It's just the way that this was presented visually is so poor. It just yeah really does not work for me. <laughs> well, it's pretty it's pretty amazing, too, because this is a year after Rogue One. Mm -hmm. And like, I actually think that CGI is. Honestly, kind of in poor taste, not because of Carrie Fisher's advanced age or whatever at this point, but like, I'm just like, oh, so like, where's the fucking limit? Like, when, what are we going to stop remaking actors' likenesses, you know? But like, the Carrie Fisher at the end of Rogue One, I think, like, oh, that looked pretty good compared to, <laughs> compared yeah. to this. Uh, the real travesty of this fucking scene, though, and uh, I gotta be honest, I know one of the other controversial characters from this movie is, uh, oh my god, the actress's name. Um, Laura Dern. Laura Dern, thank you. Yeah, uh, Holdo. Like, I know everyone fucking hates Holdo. I actually liked Holdo. I love so Laura I... Dern. I think I think she's an amazing actress. I wanted... I, I could have used more of Laura Dern. I think you're right, Seth. They probably should have rewritten the Carrie Fisher to, to take out that scene. But, like, start having Laura Dern take on more of a leadership role within the, the Resistance or whatever. They just ice my favorite character in fucking Star Wars in this scene and, like, don't even mention it in death. Like you, you, they just kill Admiral Akbar out of fucking nowhere in this scene. That's so. And they true. don't say a god. They don't say a goddamn thing about it. Then I'm sorry to skip ahead, but they just fucking ice Laura Dern later in the movie. And it's like you're telling me that like Admiral Akbar wouldn't have fucking rammed this ship into that goddamn a double slice of pizza wide star destroyer they fucking have. Like he would have loved to do it. He would have gone down in blaze of glory. Do that. Hold on to Laura Dern. She's a pretty fucking good actress. Keep her in your movie. And send him off into the sunset, you know, like like save save my guy Akbar. Good impression there, wonderful. I agree. I've been doing it for a very long time. So I fucking love it. I love Akbar so much. Akbar's awesome. He is. So this scene continues basically with them continuing to flee. They're just trying to stay as far out of range of this ship's, um, the New Order ship's, uh, I guess, blasters as possible. So that they're they're not damaged. So they're they're unable to um, jump to hyperspace, and they're kind of just floating along, like a 
I guess a mouse on a string or something and a, and a cat hanging behind it. So um, this then cuts to, and I'm not sure how to, Seth, you probably know, is it Oct 2 that uh, Luke is on? Is that how you pronounce it? Oct yeah, Oct 2. So it cuts to Oct 2, basically exactly where The Force Awakens ended with Rey holding out Luke's um, Skywalker, Luke Skywalker, Luke's lightsaber to, to him. He then grabs it and tosses it over the freaking edge of where he's standing. Which so sucks. I just, I just gotta say real quick, this is the kind of stuff that happens, right? When you get people to write things like this that are you get them based on purely that their their acumen, right? And like their their name. Like Ryan Johnson makes great movies knives out is phenomenal like i really it's one of my favorite movies um this scene like the whole characterization of luke skywalker in this movie is wrong all of it and even mark hamill himself told ryan johnson that right like he he famously looked at him and said i i completely disagree with everything you've written about this character there's like a really famous line right and i mean so so she hands Luke Skywalker the lightsaber and he doesn't even say, hey, who are you? Right. <laughs> he just he, his first instinct would hand it a lightsaber to so just toss it. His father's lightsaber, nonetheless, is it just toss. Yeah, it? the one that he's been missing for like, yeah, 20, 30 years at this point. The lightsaber that Obi-Wan Kenobi gave him um, just throws it. It's like, OK, we're just going to throw it. Not like, hey, who are you and why are you giving me this? Where did you even no. get this? But that would be a valid yeah. question. <laughs> it's just like a, it's just like, a, like one of those Marvel MCU like comedy skits, and I just I was not I was not big on it. It did not have, make anybody laugh. I have absolutely no problem with that scene, to be honest. Like uh, from a, a story perspective, I guess like execution wise, I do have an issue where like he just he does throw it like it's a fucking Charlie Chaplin movie. You know, like if you just dropped it. Okay, you know, or if he like tossed it with like some kind of conviction, as opposed to just like a, some jackass, he just like tossed it over his shoulder. Like that's my problem with it. But like I don't know, after everything the dude went through, you know, he thought he was like following his heart, thought he was like rebuilding the Jedi Order, thought he was doing right, and then he like had the same fucking issue that happened the last time, where like your most promising student turns to to evil. I can see him being like disillusioned and like in disbelief and be like, oh no, it's actually, it's power that corrupts. Like power is like the problem. And so like, if there's no more Jedi, then there's no more power. So like, I have no problem thematically with it, but yeah, he tosses it like a fucking jackass. That, that's, that's the beef. Like if he had like, I yeah, think there's I mean, a way to, there's a way to do it where it's like, oh fuck. Like he never wants to see a lightsaber ever again. Like that's powerful. But him just like flippantly like, fuck this. I don't like sports ball, you know, and just like tosses yeah. it like that. I mean, like, yeah, you're right. If he'd thrown it with like a, out of passion, like, like smashed on the ground or like, like thrown it into the building or something right. like that, like, like out of anger. Like, yeah, that would have made a lot more sense. Luke Skywalker's whole character is making sense in this movie. It just. Yeah. Like, and this, he, it immediately it sets make it any up. Sense. It immediately sets up this poor interpretation of him, in my opinion. I mean, I know this was Ryan Johnson and whoever wrote the the screenplay for this movie. That it was their interpretation of Luke, but it was, it was Ryan Johnson, I believe. So. Yeah, but at the same time, um, just in my head, like it just didn't fit for him. 
So, but also like unlike the beginning of this movie, like this Luke Skywalker, this is the first we've seen of him in thirty years. So like I have no yeah. problem with him acting differently than the last time we saw him. Like that's my entire lifetime's difference, right? Like since we've seen him canonically. So like if anything, now I guess like the Mando cameo doesn't like throw off that timeline but like I, I don't know like this has been it's been enough time where like i can accept that this dude is different this dude is pissed this dude is jaded this dude's disillusioned like i can accept all of that because we haven't seen him in so long but yeah it's, it's just the, the candy ass nature of him tossing yeah. it like i said like like a charlie chaplin silent film where i'm just like okay that's the part that i got umbrage with also just just real quick as i'm as i'm watching this along with how we talk about it the end of Ray's staff is so clearly a lightsaber and <laughs> no one saw it. Not a single one of us as we were all making these theory videos and like, like diving deep into every little scene noticed that the end of her staff is a lightsaber. And it's That's very, it's very obvious, dude. Like she literally just cuts the end of the staff off. Yeah. But anyway, continue. <laughs> yeah. So basically she shows up, you know, the, the toss happens and she's kind of trying to get, Luke to come back to the the resistance where we're all that left off in episode seven, but he basically says no. And, and like you mentioned, George, he just goes about saying essentially that the Jedi need to come to an end. And so that's why he has no interest in, in helping, but he does eventually agree to give Ray kind of some teaching lessons, um, you know, just in how to use the force and various things just kind of, kind of interesting i suppose because he doesn't believe it and that's the that's the whole thing right is that right. like he doesn't believe the things that he's saying right and he keeps going back on it and th this this comes back later in the movie when you know he has a conversation with yoda and it's like well where where was this guy like were you just faking it like are you just being dramatic i just i hate luke skywalker in this movie yeah. i hate him I mean, none of, none of it makes any sense. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. Continue. No, Luke, in my opinion, is the worst part of this movie, objectively. From oh, objectively, I should say subjectively from my viewpoint. It's objective. Just say it. Just stick yeah. with it, Austin. It's it is from, the biggest from, issue from I have. From a certain point of view, it yeah. is the biggest right. issue I have with this this film. Um, right after this, though, is where we we get into more. As you mentioned earlier, George, we're talking about new abilities. You know, you saw some of what Leia did pulling herself onto the ship. You get your first scene where Ray and Kylo Ren start communicating with each other over who knows what distance through the Force. And I'll See, say, I think this is awesome. <laughs> like this is really the, cool. Yeah, the way this is shot, actually, I really like. It's very cool. I like the whole use of, of sound and how the sound kind of all sense of, of sound essentially stops when they're talking to each other. I think it's actually quite cool. Um, I know some people were, when it came out, were kind of mad because they were like, well, this has never happened before. Well, how is does this, this make sense? Is, but I don't mind something is, new going on. Is this the shirtless, is this the shirtless Kylo Ren scene? No, yeah, uh, but we later. can talk about it. That's later. Okay. <laughs> I just think it's so funny in the shirtless scene how it re really reminds me of like the 1940s when like Humphrey Bogart was like the sexiest person on the planet. And like you look at him now, it's like, dude, you'd be like picked last in pickup basketball. Like you're so <laughs> fucking short. You're like, you got a weird body that like you can barely cover up with like a tank top. Like I think he has such like a unique physique in this movie that like the 
<laughs> the decision to make him shirtless, I think, is yeah. awesome. I think it's great. I think it's such a weird thing. Have we ever seen someone's nipples before in Star Wars before this? Except, like, Luke in the back to tank, I guess? There was a shirtless scene of Anakin at one point, I think. That was a that was a fuck scene, right? <laughs> um, I don't know. Actually, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm making that up in my mind. I don't know. I, also, I, I we missed like a we, we we missed a really vital scene that I actually think is is really powerful. Uh, it's Luke going to the Millennium Falcon. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and having a conversation with R two D two, and it's the only time in this movie that I think Luke feels like himself, and I don't understand why. Like, he walks in Millennium Falcon, he turns on the lights. He sits down at that the game table. I forget the name of the game. And R two D two turns on and comes to see him. And he's like R two, like he's super happy, and it sounds like his old voice, right? Um, and that's what that like I don't know. I'm not gonna repeat myself, but what like I want to know like behind the scenes like concept behind what they're writing for Luke Skywalker in this movie because it doesn't it doesn't seem to come across whatever they were trying to portray doesn't seem mm. to come across because he seems like he's being fake and dramatic to Ray the whole yeah. time. So and, and I'm just watching. He watches the original um, clip that uh, Leia yeah. had sent Obi-Wan Kenobi. And I think it, that's a really cool scene. It is a great sequence. And he goes into the cockpit and grabs um, Han's uh, dice. Which and- am I crazy or were they just introduced in this movie? They were they, right. That that wasn't a thing before this. No, they were there. Like that was like I feel like that was like a Star Wars TCG yeah. card game thing. Like I feel like that was like an item you could have. Like they I, were they were definitely mentioned before, but it was always like, wow, he's cool. He's a fucking gambler. He's got dice hanging from his rearview mirror or whatever. You know, like it was never like, oh, here's this integral part of the Star Wars mythos. Yeah, they've I always been there. Them. I don't think they've ever drawn attention to them though until this movie, and then they obviously immediately came up. Three months after this movie, when Solo released, they were in that movie quite a bit. So, um, but yeah, so, so yeah, okay. Oh, they were only in A New Hope. Interesting. They were only in The New Hope, and that was it. And the rest of them were in like comics and stuff like that. There was A New Hope, and then the next was The Last Jedi. That's probably <laughs> why I didn't notice it. Didn't know that. Fascinating. Well, Shortly after this, and again, just as a reminder, reminder, this is kind of a slimmed down version, so we may miss a few scenes here and there. So if you guys um, have any out, outside of what I'm bringing up that you want to discuss, feel free. But um, kind of the, this all comes to its head when, you know, it's eventually discovered that Luke, the whole reason why Luke is in hiding and why he's cut himself off from the Force, which we discover, is that he essentially was trying to rebuild the Jedi order with a bunch of kids. Uh, Ben Solo, of course, being one of them. And he essentially senses the fact that Snoke has, has corrupted quote unquote, uh, Kylo Ren at the time and goes to try and kill Kylo Ren, or at least he has the thought of killing Kylo Ren. He, he steps into this little home that he's in and lights up his saber and, is on the verge of doing it until Kylo Ren turns around and basically destroys the home they're standing in and, you know, they go off and do whatever. But that's that's all kind of revealed in, in this moment. 
And Seth, Seth's got his head in his he hand. Does. And like, I, I understand why. I really do. However, I think something needs to fucking happen to Luke Skywalker. Like, he can't just be like perfect the entire time. So I like the idea of him so worried about someone else becoming like the new generation's Darth Vader that Luke almost becomes the new generation Darth Vader. Like, I, I think that's interesting. I don't think they explore it. Uh, the best but i think putting that shit out there is interesting however okay. not executed Lesson. effectively his his father <laughs> was a mass murdering maniac all right darth vader killed an untold amount of like human oids right a disgusting amount I want you guys to know, I don't know if either of you read it or not. Disney added more context to this with the comics. There was a there was a four part um, Ben Solo comic where they showed how Snoke manipulated him. Snoke had already taken con- like not taking control, like literally, but like in had been influencing him for a long time before this. And then there was a big fight with him. And like, I think it was three other Padawans. And he killed them all. And then after that, Luke like reads his thoughts or whatever, right? It doesn't make it better. It, this is the guy who like drug his father out to the Death Star. He was like the symbol of hope for the galaxy, right? That was Luke Skywalker. And he's not even gonna try and help his nephew. He's not he's not he's not gonna do one thing to try and help his nephew. He's gonna be like, ah, fuck this kid. He, I mean, the, come on. <laughs> what is this <laughs> we're just gonna we're just gonna immediately cauterize his brain just pfft. all right that's his nephew by the way which i think is an important thing to bring up this is not some random kid it is han solo and leia's child yeah his best friend and his <laughs> sister's child he's just gonna right through the neck just, just. his best friend his sister and his ex-girlfriend's child yeah <laughs> <laughs> i hate that dude that scene is so infuriating like and i don't I, I i don't know what they were thinking like i just and like i said i think this is just a, a case of someone who wasn't a fan of star wars and wanted to be like the guy and he wasn't the guy that's also, what I think. Really quick, can I take your temperature, both of you, on two things that we haven't discussed from this yeah. scene on, on this planet yet? Uh, what's your temperature on Porgs? Love them. Oh, I like Love excellent them. addition. Yeah. Okay. Porgs are and what's like... what's your temperature on the reptilian nuns dressed in Victorian era <laughs> nightgowns at um, all times? They're fine. <laughs> Love him. Also, feels like a doctor. Feels like a Doctor Who alien. Fucking love him. Yeah, I think yeah. Or, or, or like Stargate or something. It feels yeah. yeah. Like, like keep so yeah, I don't have a, I don't have a the, the one them. question I had though watching this was like okay, they show up I think for the first time because uh yeah it's the first time Ray sees Kylo Ren and she pulls out a blaster and fires at him but it hits the wall behind her and destroys it and she walks out and Luke's there and he's like what the hell man. And all these liz- uh, lizard people are around, but I'm like, what? This is cool, but where the hell were these like 40 lizard people the day before when she arrived on this planet? <laughs> yeah. Also, I'm like terrified. <laughs> she like absolutely killed a little lizard baby in that in that house. Like it was just like G baby in in 
in that. Yeah. Was that Keanu Reeves movie? Hardball, just mm-hmm. like just like G Baby and, and Hardball. R.I.P. G Baby. Well, uh, also maybe we're looking at this from the, from the wrong perspective, right? Maybe Ray blasts a hole in the wall out of like crazy like fear and anger. Yeah, and Luke's like. I ain't teaching this bitch how to use a lightsaber. You kidding me? She's <laughs> <laughs> absolutely nuts. <laughs> okay, so I got to go back to the 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 Kylo Ren and Luke thing for just a second because I wrote down a line that that came up during that scene when when Luke is explaining to Ray what happened that just felt so out of place and wrong. He said, "Quote: It was a Jedi Master that created Darth Vader." And I heard that, and I was like, "Hold on a second. What's happening here? How does this come into play?" <laughs> yeah, because like he wouldn't, unless he's had like deep conversations with Obi Wan Kenobi, right. As like Force Ghost. That's not the, that's not the interpretation I got of the Force Ghost thing, right? right? And it, it's later like it, it's supposed to be very painful for a Force Ghost to like appear. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> Is he, they're not just like chilling, having like a cup of tea, and, and Obi Wan Kenobi's like, "Let me tell you about my greatest failure." Like, I'm not really sure what that line is pertaining to. What I told you was true from a certain point of view. It's like fucking what, Doctor Seuss? What did you just say? Like, it just felt so out of place. It was like, all right, that whole plot has resolved. Like that has been also, done. Maybe that, unless he's meaning to talk about Anakin Skywalker, who, by the way. Never got the rank of master. So we need to make that very clear. <laughs> pretty pretty important plot point, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't so, know what's going on there. <laughs> anyway. So shortly after this, Ray leaves. She heads back to there's a little more that happens in between, but the the long story short is she leaves, heading back to um I guess at this point she's just going back to the uh the ship or trying to trying trying to find I guess her people. And then the final sequence we get on this planet is Yoda showing up as a force ghost being like, hey, Luke, it's okay to fail. By the way, lightning bolt. Goodbye. Uh, Jedi library, which turns out Ray stole earlier and he did not know. Which, okay. So, like, here's the thing, right? And this is something that's been massively explored by Dave Filoni. Yeah. um, Who I would say is, like, really the... the, the, um, the, the new George Lucas, like he was like his apprentice, right? Yep. Is that the Jedi Order did need to end. It wasn't the Jedi like principles. Yes. It was like their their dogmatic nature and like how easily corruptible they, they became. Like there's there's a really, really great line in the Revenge of the Sith novel. It's it's an internal monologue when Yoda's fighting Darth Sidious, right? And it, it it's not word for word, but it's like Yoda realized that like he lost. And he always had lost. He had lost years ago. He never had a, a chance in this fight. And it's because from the beginning, Sidious worked his way into the Jedi Order, found its cracks, found its weaknesses, and corrupted them and, and weakened them. The Jedi had not been able to have foresight, like like to see things in the Force for like years. But they were too proud to admit that they they couldn't do it, so like they were all pretending like they they had much more like foresight than they did, and Sidious was the the cause of that, and I think that's such a phenomenal scene because 
it's so clear. Like as a little kid, you're like, oh, I want to be a Jedi Knight, right? And then we get so much more context with the Jedi from the prequels and especially the Clone Wars and in like the later seasons. Um, and you can really see how Anakin, you can sympathize with Anakin and see how he could fall to the dark side. And obviously not like slaughtering children and, and you know, a massive amount of, of innocent people. But we're going to save him again. Um, <laughs> but... If anyone was going to realize this post-mortem, right, as a force ghost, it would be Yoda, where he'd be like, no, the Jedi teachings that we had weren't weren't correct. They weren't they weren't right. We made mistakes. That is a great scene. And that, that's one of the other things that I wrote down on my good list for for this movie is like that scene with Yoda is so important to the Star Wars series. And it's in the worst fucking movie possible as far as like world build building and lore of star wars goes and it makes me so upset because it, and, and that's also when luke does his 180 right like he talks to yoda he understands now i don't know why they couldn't have this conversation years ago but uh he understands now and he's he's like all right now 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 i'm back on track i don't didn't seem like you needed yoda to do that man but um um, that this is the scene I was talking about earlier when Yoda strikes the tree. Luke's like immediately upset. He's like, "Those sacred texts!" Like, well, you didn't seem to give two shits about the texts twenty minutes ago, Luke. So, I don't <laughs> yeah. <know. laughs> but like, this is I think one of the faults of the movie, right? Because like you're right, that is like an amazing like jump in how we read this critical thing to us right it's like oh fuck the jedi order had to change like that's great like the sacred text like for for kylo ren was right you know kill the past uh forget the past kill it if you have to whatever the line is and then just for the books to fucking be there on the falcon at the end of the movie it's like all right so like what what did we accomplish here like what what did we really learn like i i think it's like movies have no i i never even put that together i never even realized it didn't commit it didn't commit to that scene and and Ray has no one to teach her yeah. <laughs> problems now. The, the books don't fucking matter. It's like, um, no, it's just like that. I think that's my biggest problem with this movie, and my biggest problem with with Rise of Skywalker. But I think this movie does a better job of like presenting bolder ideas and walking them back less than Rise of Skywalker, letting us think Chewie died for three and a half oh. minutes before before to die. He's like, he's okay. Stupid he moment. Was on other ship. I'm like, why'd you fucking God. do this then? If, um. Also, we didn't talk about it at the top. This is also the longest Star Wars movie. If it is. I am cor- correct, I believe it's like two hours twenty one minutes. Um, two twenty two. Something. Whatever. It's like two hours and twenty ish minutes. Do yeah. we think also like maybe Star Wars movies should be like a tight, tidy two hours or less? Because like otherwise they they get too much time to. Like too much, you know, free rope to uh, to hang themselves with a little bit. It depends. Like the last Ahsoka episode that came out last night was thirty five minutes, and I thought that that was kind of a waste of an episode. I'll be honest. And I'm like, all right, well, let's just instead of making six thirty five to forty five minute episodes, let's make three parts of a really well written story. Why? Like, because didn't Obi-Wan Kenobi have six parts? Yeah. 
Yeah. And there was like a, an episode or two in there that didn't need it to even exist. And I, I really feel like maybe we're being a little greedy and being like, hey, we want them to get an extra subscription. Make sure they stick around for an extra month instead of just one, right? So, I don't know. But it seems like the Mandalorian season three did this as well, where they were like, we're going to throw a massive amount of like nonsense filler episodes in there. Yeah. So I'm not really sure why Disney keeps doing this. Where, where did I come from this? I don't know. Oh, the, the time limits on, on the, on the star Wars movies. It depends. If it, I, I would sit there and watch four hours of a well-crafted, like lore based star Wars movie. Yeah. I'd agree with I that. I would have no problem with that. It's funny. George uh, brought up, uh, time limits though and the length of the movie because in my opinion this entire next section did not need to exist which is the casino canto bite section and i know that's kind of a, a widely versed opinion but you know immediately after the whole situation with luke it cuts to um finn and rose and bb8 heading to um canto bite because they got some information from maz kanata who is in the uh seventh film uh, and she briefly appears in this and she basically is like, hey, there's a hacker on Canto Byte. You can go find him there. And if you find him, he'll help you. Um, if I'm recalling correctly, initially, the plan was to disable the hyperspace tracker that they had on the 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 new order ship. So they head there. They get in all these shenanigans. Basically, they find who they thought was the hacker. But eventually they get thrown in prison and find Benicio Del Toro, known as DJ in this in this film. And <laughs> he he apparently is a hacker as well. And so they they get out of Canto Bite and you know, get on a on, on a ship, but they're eventually captured um it's, it's on so Snoke's dumb. Snoke's flagship. So I'll cut so, it there. But what do we think about as a whole the Canto Bite sequence? I actually I'm I'm a lot less critical on this than than most people I know because in my opinion Star Wars has always had like dumb stuff like this yeah. done in their movies. I mean I think about like Endor with C3PO, right? And then the Worship is a God That's and, like, true. like the pod racing scenes and like, like stuff like that. Like there's always like some like dumb little silly thing that's made to sell stuffed animals or, you know, to kids. Like whatever. I, I actually don't care about Canto Bright more than the fact that it doesn't seem to mean anything at all in, in the end. No, I, I, I vehemently disagree about that point. Uh, I, first off, I think it's fucking sick to see Space Vegas. I think that's really cool just to see like what a casino world. I guess not a world because it's only one city. That's kind of neat, right? Not an entire planet that's a casino. But I think just the idea that like no one cares about the fight between the Resistance and the f- First Order, right? Like, it, like, hey, there's this, like, ideological battle that's happening. Thousands of people are dying. So many people are worried about what this means for the future of the galaxy. And, like, these dudes are just fucking playing slot machines and, like, gambling on, you know, space rhino races or, like, whatever those animals were. Like, they just don't care. And, like, I think that's such a, like, amazing realization that, like, oh, like, there's so many important things that are happening every day. Like you should be angry about so much more shit than you are, but you just don't care. Cause it's like, Oh, I'm, I'm just going to enjoy the thing. And so to see 
the complete lack of opinion that these people have for what, like what's supposed to be a life or death. I can also see that point, like really pissing people off where I'm like, no, I liked it more when like, I thought everyone cared about this shit in star Wars. Like I, I, if that's a completely valid reading of, of star Wars too, I'm not going to say anyone who feels that way is wrong. But like, I thought it was just like really interesting to see people not give two shits about things that people are dying for. And like people who are actively profiting off people dying. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I, I can see where you're coming from on that point, but you could have shown me like a single shot of that, and that would have come across the same way. the the The, the whole casino scene, in my opinion, just feels like a, like, a, like a, a typical goofy Star Wars segment. Um, and also, there's the one kid on this planet who's like crazy force sensitive. <laughs> that, that like like we we seem to like not want to talk about like this kid who has more force potential apparently than anybody else we've ever seen in star wars and that he's the kid at the end that can just pull the, bro- the broom to him right now like anakin skywalker couldn't do that right so <laughs> i don't know it just seems, a good it point. seems a little wow he's like the same but, age and he couldn't do that. That, that that's 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 jj slapping away ryan johnson's hand you know like I disagree with your point that like Ryan Johnson slapped away JJ's hand from the first movie. I just think he made decisions you didn't like, which I, again, you're an adult. I'm not going to tell you how to feel about a fucking movie, but like, I do think JJ was like, no, I'm just not going to talk about half the shit you brought up in, in the last movie. Well, for the record, I do think the rise of Skywalker is a giant middle finger to Ryan Johnson. But I also think the last Jedi is a giant middle finger. I agree. I agree. I think (laughs) there are two middle fingers here that we're talking about. So they uh, they get off uh, Canto Bite, like I said, with DJ, the uh, hacker guy, and they um, infiltrate Snoke's ship. Um, You know, they're trying to get in and shut down that 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 hyperspace tracker. But turns out DJ's been double agent the whole time and they're captured by captain phasma who would have saw that coming I just well uh, like even before that like they said that they had six minutes between disabling the tracker and then them realizing that the tracking had been disabled that's like that ship is like the size of a fucking city man like i don't know how they expected to like leave within six minutes to not be tracked to get back to the the resistance yes. or if they were just going to escape on their own. It's also like, hey man, I understand that like that's probably how tech works today that like it it does operate in 6 minute or 4 minute cycles with security loops and like you need to plan ahead. Star Wars is like retro futurism. You know, like you can you can play like a little looser with the the scheduling there, my guy. Um so this is something that like has really bugged me even since I watched the movie. When I, when I walked away liking it, is that the space chase makes no sense in the terms of the Star Wars universe. Because they're like, oh, well, we're we're locked in. We can't catch up to them, right? All you got to do is fire your thrusters one more time, and you're going to be moving faster than them, and you'll catch up. Like the, 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 the space chase makes absolutely no sense. Also, if you can track them, then why do you need to follow them? <laughs> like, I just also, like like that's, and that's the whole that's the whole overarching plot of the movie. The speed like is this this, yeah. this dire space chase, right? If they had th- fired the thrusters one more time, each each side, they would have pulled away because they would have been going slightly faster, and they would have stayed that speed because they're in fucking space. Can I just also, say? I, mean, I think 
think it's a metaphor. Like they're losing speed. Yeah. Like they're, they're like this, this battle is like uh, we're getting kind of sick of this shit. Sorry, Austin. Please. Can I just say, by the way, that this is not the only ship the New Order has. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I mean, you're telling me there's not like they show other Star Destroyers at the beginning of this film. They've shown them in the last movie. They show them in the next movie. You're telling me like they couldn't just be like, hey, guys, there's a there's a little ship in front of us. Can you guys just get right in front of it and we'll just take care of business here? Like, no, <laughs> it, weird, weird plot point to me that that whole sequence it, it it doesn't make sense <laughs> i i think that's an interesting conversation like i don't know if that's like the best argument about the movie being bad and like yeah just we're so we're picky. clear like i i think i think some things need to happen for the sake of drama and like i guess this is what they decided on i don't think it's like the best thing but like i'm willing to suspend my disbelief to be like okay this is yeah, the only way out of this situation. Okay, fine. You, I'll accept that for this. I just, man, I wish it was executed. It's just yeah. like ten percent better. Yeah, and I don't, I don't disagree <laughs> with that. There, um, you know, I don't think it's like egregious necessarily. It's just a weird like plot inconsistency to me. So, yeah. um, especially. Have we ever worried about fuel before in Star Wars? Is that like, like, I understand they're like, oh, they've got enough to ban a guest to fight the war for another couple of years. Like, I understand, like, I think that was like a throwaway line in either Jedi or Empire, whatever. But like, just man, how often does fuel come up as a concern in general in Star Wars? I always assumed that they had like surpassed the need for fuel and had like some sort of like, I don't know, like, recurring Nuclear energy fusion yeah, yeah like i mean yeah i never thought their blasters ran out of ammo you know yeah, i just right. thought <laughs> <laughs> i don't know oh, do, you, do you need to replace the lightsaber crystal every like 10 years is it like a, like a oh, sorry a guys my like... lightsaber's out of battery we can't fire right oh, now fuck you did. i i couldn't find my usb-c charger i had to charge it with my <laughs> usb2 and man did not get a full charge after last night sorry boys so simultaneously, while this is all happening, while they're getting captured by uh, Phasma and, you know, all that ordeal, which, by the way, great sequence with um, BB-8 battling a <laughs> rival BB unit. Fantastic. Well, did, they, did, they call it, did they call him BB-8? Was that his nickname? Like for the evil? <laughs> I don't know. That. That's pretty sweet. I like that. Yeah. While that's all happening, Ray is also infiltrating the ship. And she gets captured by Kylo Ren, who then brings her to Snoke. And then Snoke reveals that he's the one that connected them uh, through the Force. And that's the reason why they're able to see each other. That's the reason why Rey is seeing Kylo Ren shirtless in his bedroom while she is on another planet. Hubba hubba. Yeah. (laughs) He's very wide. He's very wide. That's one thing we can say about Kylo Ren. I mean, dude. Dude was a Marine, right? Wasn't I think so? Yeah, actually, you're right. Yeah, Yeah. I forgot about that. So he reveals all that, and then we skip away from the throne room for a minute. It clicks back over to uh, the remaining resistance uh, members that are there on that ship that's continuing to outrun um, Snoke's, you know, base ship, and. What we discover here, essentially, toward the end of this conversation is Holdo's big plan. But leading up to it, we have this huge brawl between Poe, a few other Resistance members, and those that believe in Holdo. Because essentially, Poe finds out they're 
filling up some of the um I get I forget what they call them supply ships they're or they're not um escape pods but some little I guess ships that they have on board and Poe believes that Holdo her plan is that they're just going to get on these ships and fly away essentially and just abandon everyone else right yeah, just abandon everything and his his argument is that well if we do that we're just going to get blown out of the sky cuz we're not going to be able to outrun this massive ship and these little little tiny things but meanwhile, deep down, Holdo, um, you know, her her kind of plan is to use the ship as a decoy and to let the rest of the, the crew get to Crate, which is a nearby planet, has an abandoned base there. But still, Poe and the rest of the crew are not buying this plan and they get this big shootout and they attempt to take control of the ship from Holdo. And this is another huge issue for me here. This is a... It's a good sequence in thought, but couldn't Holdo have just said what her plan was, and then this whole scene becomes null? That was one thing that really stuck out to me here of why was she even being so secretive? It it did not make sense in my I, head. I used I used to think that, I really did, and then I thought like, no, this dude's like a little shit. Like he's he's been a dickhead the entire movie. He got so many people killed in the beginning of the movie. It's true. It's it's like, dude, fuck you. Like, I don't need to tell you my plan. Like, I'm in charge. Like, that's like I've been doing this shit since before you were born. Like, literally. Like, I was there at Endor, whatever. You know, like I think she was, like in comics, whatever. Um And so it's like she shouldn't have to tell him. And so like I I kind of like I I completely felt that way the first time where it's just like, wow, you guys could have mitigated this just with like one simple conversation, but it's also like Oh, yeah, like in comic books when, like, two heroes meet up and they immediately start fighting each other because there's a misunderstanding. Like, it really just felt like that moment. So just, like, another MCUification of of Star Wars, which it, it's kind of like in video games how, like, Far Cry started feeling more like Assassin's Creed <laughs> over the years, you know? And, like, Star Wars very slowly started feeling more like the MCU. And I think this was probably, like, the most egregious offense but at the same time, like the the older I get, the more I'm like, no, he's like a snot nosed little shit. He doesn't deserve to know. He like lost the entire bomber squadron in the beginning of the movie because he was like a childish dickhead. Like, fuck off, kid. You know. Also, I feel like she got dumped by some cocky fighter pilot because there's like a really weird scene after um leia comes back and like stuns him where she like holds his face and like stares at him longingly and she's like i like him <laughs> yes <laughs> it's very strange <laughs> i just completely out of nowhere yeah i don't think it's like their entire thing is like questioning authority right like they stand up to like the empire that was authority and like he was standing up to authority he point. was wrong to do it but like i don't know like that, this is the tough part about movies is like i feel like I learned this in my film classes. Like, you can literally fucking argue whatever you want. It's just like what you care about at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah. Okay. So, it sucks about movies. We bounce away from their whole plan, though, for a minute. Um, what I will tell you that that is happening, though, before we bounce away, they, they get on these ships, these uh, evacuation transports, and basically, Snoke's ship is like, all right, we're just going to pick them off because DJ tells about the resistance's plan so they're aware of these supply ships so they just basically start picking them off one by one we then transition over to the throne room again with ray and snoke and kylo and 
Snoke basically tells Kylo, well, why don't you kill kill right here? Why don't you just kill her? And <laughs> just do it. And uh Well that doesn't happen because Kylo kills Snoke. Yeah. Um I love this scene. It's fucking sick. It's so cool. Yeah. I, do, I do because this is the only part where they subvert your expectations that I'm like that's, that's that was cool right that was cool but how, now that like the whole Snoke thing's been wrapped up looking back on it does how do you guys feel about Snoke overall because it's kind of stupid kind of stupid it's, right like so sucks. into him until the first so into him until like the first six minutes of Rise of Skywalker then immediately disappointed right because also it doesn't it doesn't make any sense how they, he's he's set up in the story because Rise of Skywalker doesn't take place that long after this. Um, so Palpatine's just out there just chilling, like manipulating things. And he has Snoke. And I originally thought that Snoke was possessed by Palpatine. That's incorrect. Snoke is his own person with his own thoughts. I just looked it up. Oh, I thought he was a failed clone of Palpatine. He is. He yeah. is. Okay. But they, they put fake memories in him and then released him. So he's just out there doing is things. Alpha, is, is the alpha build of uh, and then Palpatine Pal- 2, 2.0? Palpatine's also just out there doing things, not saying anything. Right. But like mischievously like controlling things, like getting getting a laugh out of it. It doesn't That's, make it... Not a lot of forethought put there. <laughs> Which it is a subversion of expectations. I mean, it is it is cool because it it's almost like the the Luke Skywalker, you know, Darth Vader is his father moment in Empire, where it's something that just nobody saw coming. So I like it in that way. But what I will say is, it, it the the logistics behind it still don't make sense to me. Of Snoke has at least in this movie visually been shown as like a pretty strong guy when it comes to the force right i mean even within the first 10 minutes you see him literally picking up hux with the force when he is not even on the same ship or remotely in the same location which he's is got, he's got all like the potential and training of palpatine i would, I would right. assume right like like all right. like the abilities of palpatine he just doesn't know that he's a clone i just i don't i don't like the whole snoke thing but I'd, in I'd... in in the context of this movie, when they get to the throne room and Kylo Ren kills him and you don't see it coming, I think it's cool. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I had gone through a pretty traumatic experience the first time I saw Force Awakens. So I like was really high when I saw it because I'm like, like, I need to numb myself to this pain I just experienced. Not the movie, just like, life stuff. Um. And, like, when they first, like, when Kylo, like, conversed with Snoke at the end of the movie as, like, the planet was falling apart or whatever, and, like, or uh, Hux was conversing with Snoke, and he was, like, 30 feet tall, like, in that giant, I was like, holy fuck, like, is he a giant? Like, is is he actually 30 feet tall? I, like, really thought that, so I was, like, kind of disappointed to see him, like, fit in, like, a normal room and, like, sit on, like, a, a normal chair. Uh, <laughs> but then this is still like the, my most jaw-dropping moment from any Star Wars movie, and like I I can't say the Darth Vader scene because I was so young that like I just think I I feel like that was just always a part of Star Wars to me that Darth Vader was Luke's father. So like right. I I don't know how I would feel about that if I was like twelve and saw him, been like holy shit. 
Uh, but like when he like spins the lightsaber around like behind his back or whatever, and then just slices him in half, like that is that is so goddamn cool. I like can't get over it. Like that is genius. That is the first time we've seen someone die like that. And then I immediately thought, I'm like, man, how come like everyone keeps their lightsaber on like a hilt, like right in front of their foot? Like how come no one's like just turned it on to like slice into their fucking patella? And then just like the person falls over and they just like ice him that way. Like, oh god, the the possibilities that this opened up were just endless. It was incredible. Yeah. And like I do think that is the coolest set piece in oh. the movie, except for except for crate. But like the actual set design in there is amazing. So I will say quickly, Hamilton in the chat said it's insane Disney play nothing out for this trilogy. And I bring that up because I've always wondered, like, was this the original plan for Snoke? Was this what they foresaw this character, the direction it went as far as dying and being a clone of Palpatine? I mean, was that There's him no dying in this movie? Was that a Ryan Johnson middle finger to J.J. Abrams in Force Awakens? Because I, it has to be. I, I just I would love to know what I'm frankly, I guess there was no original plan, but I would love to know what they even thought this character have, would become. Have well, you guys ever had a have, have you guys ever had a girlfriend who was like, you know what we should do this weekend? We should get a fucking tattoo. And you're like, Yeah, we should get a tattoo. That sounds awesome. And then you're like, wait a second, I'm not a tattoo person. Like, I don't want to get tattooed. Like, I think that's what Ryan Johnson did to Disney executives, where he's just like, wouldn't it be so cool if we just turned Star Wars on its fucking ear, if we just flipped the table and just started over new? And everyone's like, yeah, that's, yeah let, let's do that. That's pretty exciting. Like, I think J.J. is, like, the safest pair of hands the first movie could have gone to. And then I do think them... It, it's funny, because this movie made so much money, the critical response was so positive, but they still got scared and went back to J.J. It was supposed to be Colin Trevorrow, Originally, he was supposed to direct the the third one, and, and um, his script think, was awesome, dude. I don't know if you guys ever read, read his it. script. I, I will so read it for the next episode. We might even have to do that in two episodes: one to talk about the movie we got, and one to talk about the movie we could have gotten. But like, Safety Not Guaranteed is like one of my favorite movies of all time. That I think that was his feature debut or like second movie, and then he did Jurassic Park forever i actually got like i smoked cigarettes with him because he did uh screenplay speaking at, at one of my screenplay classes in college super cool dude we just smoked cigarettes walked downtown and talked about batman begins fight choreography for like 20 minutes it was one of my favorite conversations in all of college um that's pretty sweet yeah it was great uh i wish we got to see his movie just to be like all right like just give it to a different person every time like l l let's just keep mixing it up maybe we'll get something interesting but i do think the the like the complete lack of planning was like I think you're right like I think it was egos clashing at that point, and I think well, Ryan Johnson convinced people to do something different, and JJ was like "fuck you, let's not." Well, yeah, it, it, I don't think uh, episode nine was JJ's original vision. By the way, I think that was him trying to course correct as much as possible. Um, I agree. I think there was probably a lot of pressure from him, um, for him or on him from Disney, um, but. They, 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 like, they, like, I think his name was Hamilton. You said, right? Who said that? He's right. Yeah. I mean, Daisy Ridley said right after the Rise of Skywalker came out that they were changing her origin story up until like the last scene that she shot. Like, they, like, like they, they just could not decide what they wanted for her. And it's like, how do you not have the main character planned out? How is that possible? Like, what is going on here? And, and, and were we just giving these guys like unlimited creative freedom? And, and I don't know, man. Which 
by the way, that's a good time to bring this up because, you know, they kill Snoke. They go through this whole fight sequence with the guards, which, by the way, Seth, you mentioned it earlier. I agree that fight has some good choreography when they're fighting. But then at the same time, you look in the background and there are guys just standing there. Or they're 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 just like jumping and doing 360s. Yeah, Yeah. it's ridiculous. But (laughs) after that fight, which is beautiful because of the throne room and everything that's in it, these guys are wearing these red armor suits. It looks fantastic from a visual standpoint. Yeah, it does. What we discover is Kylo claims he knows the origins of Rey and essentially comes out and says, hey, your parents, like, they weren't anybody. They, They didn't matter. And I actually kind of like that. I wish they had stuck with that because it would have been different. Um, it would have been somewhat relatable for people mm-hmm. versus like, oh, yeah, actually, you're just like a Palpatine clones child. I, I would have been fine with it if they hadn't hinted so heavily that she was somewhat important in the first movie. That's true. Like, like there's, there's a really confusing scene in The Force Awakens where... Ray sees Leia for the first time and they just walk over and hug each other. And Leia's like like very she like recognizes Ray. I really think Ray was supposed to be Leia and Han's daughter that got lost, or like Luke's daughter or something originally, and yeah. that's why that scene exists. Because otherwise it she, makes thought, no sense. I thought it was gonna be Obi Wan and uh who's the chick from Mandalore? Sabine. No, Satine. not Sabine. I'm sorry, it's Satine. It's Duchess Satine, yeah. I thought that was. Uh, I they were so sure clearly setting that up. You're right because then Sabine is in Rebels, and right around the same time that this movie comes out, they show up because Sabine's family was like a, a big mystery at the beginning of Rebels, and then they show her family when this movie shows up. So I think I think there was something that was leading up there. I don't. I don't Which, know. By the way, when uh, Ray goes and you know finds the the lightsaber in Force Awakens. Ewan McGregor's voice is like by far the most yeah. prominent in that sequence. And there's so, a whole bunch of weird stuff too, um, where she like uses Ewan's move or move or something like that in, in a fight. It, it's, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so ridiculous. It's kind of interesting, but my understanding is also, Ryan, Ryan actually set that like in stone. Like he actually, when he wrote that sequence or directed or whatever he did there, my understanding, I did some research on this this week, and this could just be him talking. His thought was like, yeah, my in my head, Ray's parents were nobodies. I mean, and it's obviously a big they theme of the up. movie. It's a big theme of the movie, right? Like the way Seth mentioned, like that kid who's just on Canto Bite, who's just like, you know, sweeping up horse shit or whatever, like at, at the racetracks, like that guy being like an incredibly force sensitive kid. And this was, I mean, this movie came out in 2017, but it was filmed in 2016. And like the message of that election that year was populism, right? Like between Bernie Sanders ascension in the democratic party uh, process and Trump's like eventual win in the election. Like that was like the de facto message that like won voters, you know, until Hillary got the nomination and then lost the election. Like, the idea that, like, no, like, we need to be for the people. And the fact that, like, this movie came out and said, like, you know, the most important people, they aren't part of some cosmic royalty. Like, they are just in any person who's just doing good in a situation where they have the power to do good. Like, I, I think that's such a critical mass of that idea in 2016. And I, I think it's, like, not a coincidence that, like, yeah. that is supposed to be, like, the new thesis for Star Wars going forward until it's 
uh, walked back a little bit in, in Rise of Skywalker. Oh, all the way. Not a little bit. All yeah, the way. All the way. Like, yeah, we're, totally. <laughs> we're taking a dump all over The Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker immediately. <laughs> I can't, I'm not, I'm not going to defend that movie, but I'm going to defend so many parts of that movie where I'm like, this is easily like, if they just set this to like a fucking rock song, like this is one of the greatest music videos I've ever seen. <laughs> and there's like nine to 12 different scenes in that movie where I feel that way. I'm like, yeah, Babu Frick, that'd be an amazing Nine Inch Nails, like, industrial rock music video to seeing him <laughs> in his fucking workshop. That'd be sick. The uh, opening, like, light speed skipping. Uh, the song that uh, What's Her Nuts, uh, Sabine was, like, racing out of the Lothal on. Like, that was the Illuminati hotties. I'm like, fuck yeah, man. Like, let, let's set this song to 19 different scenes from from uh, Rise of Skywalker, and it's going to be sick. But yeah, not a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get there. We're going to get there. So... Yeah, yeah we are. They finish up this fight sequence. Um, Kylo asks Rey to join him. She doesn't. They have some sort of force battle, and the the um, Luke's saber snaps you're, in half. You're still holding on. Yeah. <laughs> you think either one of them thought to just walk forward while using the force and grab it? <laughs> no, no, not <laughs> at all. They're standing and still grabbing it, right? But like they theoretically could have just taken a couple steps forward and grabbed it. While they were pulling, I don't know. They could have. Funny, funny thought. <laughs> so, um, but all that happens, and then eventually, this is where we get back to our whole situation with um, uh, BB-8, Finn, and Rose. They go and fight Phasma. Finn beats the crap out of Phasma yeah. with like a laser thing. I don't know what it is. Let's go, Chrome Dome, which is his tagline. <laughs> yeah, Chrome Dome. Chrome Dome sucks. Also, like, again, like, this movie has so many unceremonious deaths. And, like, I guess I get it because, like, Boba Fett died unceremoniously in Return of the Jedi. So, like, there's precedent, I guess. But, like, I don't know. Phasma was, like, a relatively cool character, I, I guess. Like, at least in theory, she was a cool character. I didn't like them throwing her into the trash compactor in. Yeah. Like that, feel, that feels yeah, like let's give say. her let's give her a swirly and then a noogie and leave her in the dumpster. Like that's literally what yeah. they did. Like the American graffiti her ass in in Force Awakens. Um, yeah, I was gonna she say, was she's a cool like, outfit. <laughs> yeah, she has a cool is outfit. Her... But like, I also think it's I think it's menacing. Like Finn yeah. is trying to live a new life with the Resistance, right? And she's the only person who knows his old life. So she could be like, like I think he said that was his first mission out. Right, like when he didn't shoot his weapon at yeah. the beginning of Force Awakens, but also like I don't know, like I seem to have to do some pretty heinous shit to be a First Order stormtrooper in training. Like you know, she's the only person who knows. Like oh, he cried himself to sleep every. Like she could like really like humiliate him with his past, and like the fact that like she just knows more about him than anyone else in the movie, and is just fucking iced so quickly. Yeah, after appearing in this movie, which by the way is her armor Beskar. No, it can't be because he he breaks her helmet with it, a, it. It it chips off. Yeah. That's what I was yeah. gonna say. But it's it's interesting because she has the same um, staff that oh, yeah. what's her name, who is now in Ahsoka, from my understanding, who was in Mandalorian season two that Ahsoka fought. Has she literally has that same Beskar staff that appears? Well, it's not it's not the same exact one because that one gets no, not down. not the same one, but it, it appears to be like. Pretty much the same exact mold, at least, which yeah. is interesting. Yeah. But um, also, I will I will say when the Star Wars Force Awakens toys released, I definitely drove an hour away from my hometown <laughs> to get to the Toys R Us so I could buy a Captain Phasma action figure because nice. I thought that design was sick as hell. 
By the way, I, I missed uh, prior immediately prior to this uh, fight sequence, I missed perhaps what is my favorite sequence in the entire film, which is we bounce back to Holdo. She realizes these uh, transport ships are getting picked off. She, of course, like I mentioned earlier, stayed behind in that main uh, resistance ship. She then turns it around and puts that thing in a hyperspeed directly into Snoke's main ship, which visually is one of the coolest sequences in film, in my opinion. I agree, actually. I think it's really yeah. gorgeous. It's really well and done. This the the um, effect of her hitting the ship and then the like pieces just pinging out like a little bit at a time. It's it's really really cool. Really really cool. Should have been Akbar, but yeah, it was sick. <laughs> Save Holdo. I like Holdo a lot. Yeah. Save her for the next movie. Give Akbar like a, a glorious ride into the sunset. But uh, incredible. Uh, that and uh, the next year was Crazy Rich Asians, mm -hmm. which I don't know if either of you guys saw that movie, but there's like a uh -huh. wedding sequence that also messes around with like the distortion of sound in that, where like there's like one band playing uh, when fools rush in, like the the Presley song, and it's just like it felt very similar to me, despite being totally totally opposite <laughs> like moments in in movies, but. Uh, yeah, I realize when movies fuck with sound, that is like one of my favorite things. Yeah. And it is so beautifully done in Last Jedi. It is. So from there, everybody gets down to Crate. You know, some of those uh, ships have already made it down there where that, that uh, old resistance base was. But now Ray, um, or I guess not Ray at this point, but uh, uh, Finn and Rose and BB-8, they all get down there and kind of join up with the rest of the crew and, and Leia. And simultaneously, while that's happening, the First Order also makes their way down there with some cool, cool-looking AT-ATs. I don't know what those things are called, but they look, like, massive compared to the normal ones. Uh, they, they, like, walk, they walk on knuckles, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. They look awesome. But they pull out what is essentially a, uh, a siege cannon that I think Finn described as like essentially a mini uh, Death Star that they are attempting to use on this big barrier that that um, is part of this old resistance base and they're trying to get in. And this is where Luke finally shows up. Kind of walks into the base and sees sees Leia. Pretty good sequence there. And he walks out. And he, um, Kylo Ren spots him. He's kind of just out on his own, standing in front of, of the, uh, the base there, kind of on the salty planet, salty red planet. And Kylo's like, essentially, light him up, light him up, boys, and just every every single uh, unit they have just just obliterates, <laughs> obliterates, quote unquote, Luke. But then Luke's fine. So. Obviously, something's going on here. Obviously, something's going on with Luke. Well, Hello. like... Oh, go ahead. No, I just think it's so funny because you realize immediately that Luke looks different, right? You're like, wow, did he really, yeah. like, shave and, like, like shave, shower showered. on the way here? <laughs> like, was that really one of his priorities? I mean, I guess. He probably hadn't taken a bath in a while, but... And then, like, <clears throat> he pulls out the blue lightsaber, right? And you're like, oh, okay. Some nonsense is going on right now. Which, where's his green lightsaber? You know why? Why in his head he only had the blue lightsaber for like what a year? 
Yeah. Why wouldn't he have the? Why wouldn't he like visualize the green one? You know, that's. because he tried to kill his nephew with it. I guess never never crossed my mind to be honest. Like I thought, like oh, like he's he's ready to be like the next. Like he's ready. Like he's accepted Vader or whatever. Like accepted Anakin. He's ready to use that lightsaber. Like I didn't think twice about it. So I did. I did not think he was a force projection from across the galaxy. Spoilers. Oh really? Um, Well, well, I guess I guess I I knew something with fishy was up originally, but like looking back on it, I assumed this was like how Luke viewed himself. Right. Like, you know how like they always say, like, you you think you're you're way more attractive than you are. And like he probably hadn't seen himself in a mirror in a long time and whatnot. So whatever. You had a a bigger dick packing heat downstairs. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) So I I, that's why I assume that's why I was like, well, why wouldn't he have the green one? That's like his lightsaber, you know, but whatever. It's not important. Continue. (laughs) So Kylo Ren comes down after that sequence where, uh, like I said, just literally everything possible fires on Luke and he's fine. He has that great moment where he like brushes off his his shoulder, oh, yeah. which is a pretty good uh, little little uh, moment there. And then Kylo comes down. They start, quote unquote, fighting. But as you discover, something is certainly off because Luke is not even attempting to swing the saber. He's not being touched in any way. He's not, you know, they're not clashing sabers in any way during this fight. And then eventually... You get what you believe is this big build-up moment of Kylo slashing through Luke, but it turns out he couldn't even hit him because he's not even there. Yep. So, <laughs> what do you guys think about this whole sequence? I mean, uh, I I still don't know how what's, I feel about Luke not actually being there. Well, what's the what did that accomplish? Right? Like, what what was the point well, of it? The the point that they propose is that it gave the resistance inside the base time to get out the back exit way essentially to escape yeah right it was it was essentially a decoy was what they what they say in the movie but at the same time i'm like how did he even know that was the plan like did they they didn't even talk about that (laughs) well he could have kept the act going a little longer i think right i mean he only this was like like a minute long sequence you know i don't know i I, I guess but it Eh, it's fine, I guess. It, it's a dumb way for Luke Skywalker to die. It's dumb. It's a dumb way for him to die. I This is, so like, in 2019, I wrote a long blog post about, like, why I hated this movie. And, uh, like, the number one point I have is uh, Luke phones in the final fight, literally. Like, <laughs> he's not there. Like, it would have meant so much more if he had actually been there, if he had shown up for his sister, if he'd shown up for like the cause that like he dedicated his life to, because the resistance, it's the rebel alliance. It's the same fucking thing. Um, And the, like my three biggest points about why I didn't like this movie, Luke phones in the final flight. The scope is too small. No one is special. Not even the special people. And I think all those moments or all those complaints are kind of magnified in this one scene, right? Like, Luke phones in the final fight, so, like, Kylo Ren isn't even important enough to show up to. Luke is so powerful, he doesn't even need to physically be there. Like, okay, that doesn't make sense. Like, if he closed himself off from the Force, like, couldn't he have, like, projected himself across the galaxy before to to be there if he wasn't there? Like, there was just, it made me ask too many questions. It didn't give me enough satisfying answers. And the fact that, like, the entire First Order just became, like, one line of Imperial not... Uh, not at ats, right? Like not Imperial Walkers, and like the entire Resistance could fit on the Millennium Falcon at the end of the movie, 
And it's just like, that was probably my biggest problem still with this movie is that like the scale didn't feel yeah, it never appropriately e- e- epic to me. And I'm like, no, this is supposed like, this is fucking galactic war, man. Like show me something I, I I'm not going to see. If I see like a world war two movie, show me something epic, show me something amazing. And I just still don't feel like I got that. I do again, think like the desperate attempt of them using like the, the salt skimmers or whatever they're called, right? Like the, the one wheeled things against the Imperial. Like, I love them being like, oh, we're going to do this because we're the good guys and we're going to win. And the fact that they just get clowned immediately, I'm like, okay, that's kind of great. Like, why did you think your little shit thing could, like, stand up to these giant robotic apes that have cannons the size of, you know, your old ships that you don't have anymore because you guys are dumb? Like, there's so much that I like about this, but, like, the fact that, again, the entire Resistance can, like, fit on the Millennium Falcon. The fact that they, like, called for their allies to show up and no one showed up, like reinforces why I think that Canto bite scene is so important. Because yeah. like literally, no one gives no one gives a shit. No one cares about this battle except for these people who claim it's the most important thing in the world. You know, and so like I just think this movie presents so many interesting ideas that are simultaneously walked back and, and dumbly reinforced in the next movies. Like I think this movie is haunted by Rise of Skywalker. Um, a, sorry, Austin. I know you're trying to get out of here because we're running long. No, it's fine. Um, but I just wanted to rewind because we skipped over. Yeah, I realized we skipped a big sequence. The um skimmers yes. and, the, and the 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 I don't know what you, the beam breaking down the door. Um, <clears throat> beautiful scene. Mm-hmm. Another one of the biggest issues I have in this movie is Finn sacrificing himself heroically was the perfect exit point for his character right there. And I think that's one thing almost everyone that I've seen agrees on is that like Finn should have died there and that would have meant so much more. And I agree that would have been a much, much better way to handle his character than the limbo that he was in in episode nine. Um, because that would have been just like the perfect little story arc of like, you know, defected stormtrooper, And then, you know, he, he, learns to care about his friends or whatever, and then sacrifices himself for the, the resistance at the end. And Rose ruined it. And the other issue I have is that the way that that sequence plays out doesn't seem to make sense unless, unless the, the laser is like pushing his ship back, which then the, the whole thing wouldn't work anyway. But she, she goes on a wide angle and then hits him perpendicular. And then she kisses him while all their friends are about to be murdered. And it's like a really weird, awkward scene that I hate. Also, and it seems like a giant wasted opportunity. How did both of them not die upon impact of that collision? Also, yeah, also great question. <laughs> because it shows those things Finn- just breaking apart, like brutally breaking apart and... Finn's just fine. Didn't like Finn doesn't have yeah, any didn't, issues. D- didn't see a windshield. Didn't seem like a high, uh, high valued uh, consumer reports crash rating on on those skimmers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> did not get four out of five stars on that. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree though. I think it would have made so much more sense for for frankly to remove the death of Luke Skywalker here, and for the big death at the end to have been Finn in this moment. I think that would have made so much more sense from a storytelling standpoint. I just, 
I disagree because I think we were kind of promised like a black stormtrooper Jedi from the Force Awakens marketing That's true. material. That's true. Right? Like we were we were promised that, and like at this point, there was still technically potential for that. I think you're right, Seth. Like they they definitely like made a joke of his character in this movie, and then they did something arguably even worse in Rise of Skywalker, where they just made him inconsequential. Right. Right. Like he has like that one semi-epic scene, I guess, where he does, like, a horse charge on the deck of a Star Destroyer, but, like, I'm struggling to think of a second thing he does in that movie, like, off the top of my head. I, I he, can't... He chases Ray the whole movie. That's what he does. He yeah. chases Ray okay. that whole movie. And then it's just like, that, this would have been a better a better, better exit, way for his character yeah. to work. And, all, I, dude, I hate the kiss scene. What is going on? Are we are that we part, serious? That part, that, part I, that part I do get. Where if you think you're about to die, fuck it. Like let me let me get get one one smoochie in. Like that, that that part I get. I just I just watched it again. The door blows up and then she kisses him. And I'm no yeah hey back <laughs> off dude. They right? be crying. We got we got stuff to do. <laughs> we got a situation going on here. All yeah. right. You, you keep it in your pants for for a, a day. All right. We got stormtroopers behind me. I got these massive adats above me. I got time, but he doesn't care because he was about to die. He was ready to kill himself anyway. So what the like? What the fuck does he care about all that stuff? Probably mad. Probably mad. You saved me, right? I was going to sacrifice myself. You saved yeah, me, and that... now our friends are dead. Yeah, he has that line. That's true. Right? Like, <laughs> I just I hate that scene. I I just uh. also uh, we talked about it a little bit, but I just have to like reinforce when they're like driving on the surface of crate, and it's like the white ground turning into red because of like the the salt or whatever so cool gorgeous beautiful so so awesome yeah beautiful sequence and the particle effects in that scene are fantastic too with like the salt flying into the air as they're driving by it's it's awesome one of the one of the worst levels in star wars battlefront 2 yes uh, such a cool such a cool location in the movie yeah so basically the film wraps up here after all that goes down with um Ray, who has shown up somewhere in the sequence, I think she showed up kind of as as part of the the skimmer sequence in the Millennium Falcon, if I'm recalling correctly. Um, as Luke is fighting Kylo, Ray attempts to find the rest of the resistance and finds that back way into the base, which is basically a bunch of rubble. And she uses the force and opens it up, and everybody gets out. Kind of simultaneously, Luke disappears i guess he used up all his force energy to project himself on this other planet so he he dies and then ray gets everybody out and they go their own way and are able to escape and that's kind of how it ends aside from a little boy on canto bite moving a broomstick with the force and that is it (laughs) and that's the last half hour of the movie by the way and and yeah pretty drawn out but it is Really cool chase sequence between Chewie and the Falcon and a bunch of Tie Fighters too. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I, I think they I think they go like underground to like a salt cavern. I'm just like fuck, that looks really cool. And I think J.J. Abrams thought that was cool too because that's basically the first shot in Rise of Skywalker yeah. when they when they're yeah. talking to their spy in the next movie. That's exactly what again, I was just thinking of, by the way. Which again, a uh, sick ass music video. Uh, I think that's set to uh, Ocean Avenue by Yellow Card would be incredible. Yeah, so I thought the ending was pretty good overall. I mean, I guess it ends on somewhat of a good spot, but it feels 
still to me it's kind of like well couldn't if there are already tie fighters out and about i mean certainly they could have flown around and found the ship as everybody was getting on it i don't know that's that's so just why me can't being they why, why can't they track the millennium falcon where it goes that's true i'll say wait no that's not the final scene. The, the final scene is the, the little kid right like uh right. doing the the the, right. the broomstick thing yeah that's that's the very final sequence is, is the kid doing the broomstick. And I think actually part of that is these kids all gathered together and talking about like the legend of Luke Skywalker, essentially. Mm-hmm. So that's that's pretty much where it ends. The... I thought Rise of Skywalker was gonna have like a fifteen year time gap. It should have. It really should have. I, I think I, w- I would have respected it more if it did. Um because all these movies feel too cramped together. Yeah. It took me a, a long time to realize that there is actually like a pretty decent gap between The Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker, where Leia trains Rey. I think I think it's only like the novelization or something. Somewhere it's mentioned, but it's not apparent in the movie. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think you know. Overall, though, we've been we've been nitpicking and. F- if you remember at the very start of this conversation, I still think this is a great movie. Um, I have a lot of issues with it. I think Luke being number one um, is f- by far my biggest problem with this this film. It, yeah, his character just does not feel like his character to me. George blatant misunderstanding of his character. Yeah, I would agree with that. But George does bring up a good a good point with the fact that like yeah i mean it has been 30 years since we've seen him so i'm not opposed to believing that that's why there was some change but at the same time it just it still doesn't feel right to me but i um i actually really enjoy this movie as a whole i'm much more angry and crotchety than i was 30 years ago well but still i was uh i'm (laughs) But I feel like if Mark Hamill himself said that, right? Like Mark Hamill probably understands Luke Skywalker better than anybody or George Lucas, right? But if Mark Hamill's like, I don't agree with anything you've done with this character, then it's probably a legitimate concern. Um, and I just, I hate it. I hate Luke Skywalker in this movie. I hate him. What a terrible written character. So here's what who do you I... Like, who do you like less, him or Poe? Poe's kind of a non-issue. Poe's annoying, but Luke Luke Skywalker may be the most famous cinema hero in history, and uh, he's very his 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 whole his morals and character are what define him. Otherwise, he's just a blonde dude who wields a laser sword, right? Um, I, I think Luke Skywalker is way more egregious in this movie. Yeah, I I would agree with that. Um, you know, I think the big question here for me has always been, I wonder what would have happened if they had just buckled down and continued with what was set in stone here in this movie rather than trying to retcon everything possible in nine. Because I really well, do... Sc- Go ahead. Read, read the screenplay that leaked from Colin Tra- okay. Traval. Yeah, it's, it's really good. What we were to got in episode nine seems like it would have been fucking sweet. And this would have been clearly the worst movie in the trilogy. <laughs> because that's that's my issue on a whole. I think this movie is great. There are just so many things that don't matter anymore because 
it's all been written away essentially it's all been changed post postmortem so but there is a there is a two year gap between this and rise of skywalker and i actually like I think Rise of Skywalker is the worst one, but also like I, I think I've shared the story before, but I saw that with my five year old niece, yeah, four year old niece, and like she thought it was the greatest movie she's ever seen. Like it was no different to her seeing that movie than like when I was her age watching Empire Strikes Back. So like I, I don't doubt that this movie has its audience with people, but God, God damn, am I so annoyed by so many things in Rise of Skywalker that uh, I I love my niece. I don't think she has like the comprehension to get there yet. I think when she's older she'll she'll really hate it. But like I don't think this movie walked back as much from Force Awakens as Rise of Skywalker does Last Jedi. I agree. And I think I think Rise of Skywalker takes so much of the teeth out of The Last Jedi. So maybe that's why I'm like actually pretty soft on this movie. Like I just feel like it was like cut down you know like needlessly because a director who thought he was like oh no i can't go i can't do more than one like that that's so arrogant then he sees this he's like man that like i'm doing a second i'm fixing it like i'm I'm fixing the stars wars and it's just like like is it arrogance was it hubris like would like a less experienced director be like all right like i guess these are the plots we're we're taking forward like i don't know I, i i think it's like such a fascinating like just microcosm of, of like what it meant to be like a, a blockbuster Hollywood movie in, in this era um, that like, yeah. I'm, I'm happy we got it, but I'm also like, man, what, what could have been, would I, would I still care about star Wars as much as I did when I was a kid? Also, it's okay that I don't, I'm 33. I don't need to care about it as much as <laughs> seven year old me did. Do you care about it as much as Seth does? That's the real question. <laughs> <laughs> Seth was way kinder on this movie than I thought he was going to be. I thought you were just going to be hawking loogies the well, entire okay. time. So, like, what you guys got to understand about me is, like, I really care about the lore and mm-hmm. world of Star Wars, right? Like, 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 that really matters a lot to me. And this movie shits all over it. Like, just constantly shits all over it. So, that is my biggest issue with with this movie and it's it's why like i if i'm rewatching star wars this is never going to be one of my watch you know yeah um but there's stuff i like about it there's stuff there's stuff like there's shots that i think are cool like i like i said um overall like i hate this movie so well very well there we have it there's our revisit to star wars episode eight so let us know after the show goes up or in the comments down below if you're watching on youtube your thoughts on the movie i hate that we miss coach's thoughts because i think he is uh, very negative on this film from my understanding so we'll have to hear his thoughts at some point but it's interesting i know we'll hit nine at some point i'm not sure if we have a an exact schedule set set on that one but we'll we should hit it hopefully within the next few months so We'll let you all know ahead of time so that you can watch the movie and kind of tag along with us. Because nine, I would not say is as controversial, but there is definitely a lot to talk about with that movie. <laughs> yes, there. That's I don't even know. Is there a lot to talk about with nine? I mean, it's just it's like it's like it was AI generated, right? I mean, it's what, kind of what it feels like. Pretty much, yeah. Chat GPT made it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that is what that movie feels like. So, 
anyway, thank you all for listening. Thanks for sticking in with us here on this uh, episode 132 of Frameskip. Again, as I mentioned earlier, don't forget if you are listening to us on podcast services, you can, of course, catch us live on YouTube as we record. Our YouTube channel is just Frameskip. You can find it at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash Frameskip live. Um, and then we usually post on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram when we are going to go live. Usually it's every other Tuesday or Wednesday. So uh, next week, in this case, we'll be live on September 5th at 8 p.m. Eastern time. So we'll be live then to talk about something. So go check the, the the YouTube channel. And of course, if you're watching on YouTube, don't forget you can listen to the audio version on podcast services. So we are on uh, various social media platforms at Frameskit Pod on pretty much anything, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I am on Twitter at Austin J. Eller. George is at Shortbox Summary. And then Seth is at Seth the 90s Kid, but definitely don't follow him don't follow me. Don't do it. Don't you dare. Don't you freaking dare if you me. Got, if you got something you want to say to Seth, say it to me first, and then yeah. I'll maybe relay it to Seth. You yeah. know what? Don't even don't even attempt to look up Seth the '90s Kid on Twitter. Let's just let's cut that hear, off right now. Don't even try. I I hear your phone will just catch on fire the second you type in <laughs> at Seth the '90s Kid. Yeah, like I immediately I immediately find your address if you do that. Yeah, and he's <laughs> he's gonna show you all all diff, all the different tints of his rainbow karate belt. Got every color. It's going to be like uh, Ray and Kylo Ren. Uh, Seth is going to suddenly show up in your house uh, shirtless. Oh, uh, fucking dinner, dinner plate pecs just taking up the whole screen. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week. Until then, see ya.